0: you're nothing to me but another dead vampire hi my name is jamie roberts and i'm robert lundrum and this is the running Scare podcast
1: where we review the films that had you running away but coming back for more
0: and we have more for you today we have a fantastic film to do uh, but rob how are you doing really quickly give me the give me the old down Oh,
1: you want like What's the life up? update? Like uh, We seem to be doing this every time we start now. It's Rob's like, what the hell's going on in his life? Because it's going to hell. <laughs> no, it's all good. Like uh, We actually, I think we lo- locked in a place in Montreal. We're going to be staying at. We're going to have to rent there for now. We are okay. still working on the sale of the house. Things are not good in that front. But yeah, how are you? How are things? Oh, I went to a Jay's game yesterday for Father's Day. Took uh, Fox. And I'll tell you this story. This kid at the end of the game, we were way up in the 500. So like you're not catching a foul ball, right? So at the end of the game, we actually walk down the 100s. We're trying to get on the field for the Junior Jays thing. You get to, the kids get to run around the bases. But the lineup is like crazy. It's like 45-minute wait. And we're like, yeah, you know what? We're going to cut out. And Fox is a little disappointed. But this kid walks up to him, and they kind of stare at each other for a second. And Fox doesn't know what's going on. He's only five. And this kid hands him a baseball. And Fox doesn't really understand what he's doing. And I'm like, oh, are you giving us this baseball? He's like, yeah. And and Fox takes it. And I'm like, how come you don't want it? And his parents are there. And they go, yeah, he doesn't. It's okay. Take it. He doesn't want it. I'm like, why? Because they're like, oh, it was hit by one of the Yankees. Yankees Yankees
0: Yankees
1: (laughs) He didn't want the (laughs) fucking ball because he's like, the Yanks hit it. And I was like, did he not. I think it was a foul ball because it had dirt on it. But you could see the point of contact on it too. You can see the ball where it was hit, and then you could see the dirt where it, it you know, where it, it spun in the dirt. So I think it was a foul ball. I don't know which ball it was, but it was a crazy game because there was like eight home runs in that game or something. Like it was insane. I think the Yankees hit four. Was... We hit three. We hit a. We were down eight three. Hernandez hit a grand slam. It was almost tied. Then then there was another three hit uh, three run dinger, and we took the lead. And then the Yankees cut into the lead. It got down to like the final. Came down to the save, like Romano uh, saved us again. So ten nine final,
0: pretty wild, unreal, man. I saw that it was yeah, it was Guriel with the grand slam, and then Teoscar with the th- with the three run shot to win it. That's great. The Yankees are a juggernaut. Yeah. So Vladimir Jr. hit a home
1: run. So we got this witness. Oh, uh, did he yeah, We Vlad- get to witness a placata.
0: Nice. Anyway, so um, when Charles was born, um, you know, three months old, I was one of those parents where it's like. My kid isn't going to affect anything. Going to not going to change my life at all. So I was still trying to go on road trips with him and do all these things. So we went down to Pittsburgh. <laughs> and as a massive baseball fan, we went to PNC. Okay, all our fans out in Pittsburgh. That's a beautiful ballpark. So we're sitting out in the outfield. And I think it's, I don't know, sixth or seventh inning. Aaron goes out to the washroom. So I've got Charles in my right arm. And we our tickets were pretty close to the fence there. Um, Pirates were playing uh, Cincinnati. Jose Peraza's up to bat smashes it out to right field it's going for the fence, back, 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 back I'm sort of like, I got Charles in one hand, I'm like trying to like stumble down to the fence, kind of put my arm out, and then um, McCutcheon grabs it, I, I'm not sure if he was playing right or if he was playing center, but it was sort of like kind of right center field anyways, grabs the thing and I'm grabs the ball Catches it for the out, and I'm like, oh, shit, man, I was right there. This would have been so cool with my son. Anyways, McCutcheon, <laughs> I guess he maybe heard me or, or, or gets a look. Anyways, there's a third out, so he turns around. He points at me. He points at my son, and then he throws me the ball.
1: Oh, ah, cool. And to this
0: day, I, I still have it. No, no, anyways, family's good. The podcast is good, Rob. We're back today. We're, we're, uh, we're going to be recording an episode. We are going to be recording the 1998 classic Blade uh, starring Wesley Snipes. Dorf and Chris Christopherson. This is a uh, this is a fantastic movie, and this movie sort of has its own sort of unique place in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Um, but before 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 we get into all those things, let's just kick it off with a one cha- one line challenge right now. Let's How go. You let's go. All right. All right. Go. I'm go- gonna go 1st Mark. You go first. And you know what? I just want to tell you that I'm 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 just re re reassessing my whole place in this one line challenge I'm simplifying I am just going for the lowest common denominator because I think that's just what needs to I happen I think you're I'm overthinking it Yeah, over. like, and exactly, remember, it's it. a sentence right it's a single line one line that tells you everything about the movie
1: so let's not get into these okay. you want to get into lists and subordinate clauses and all this bullshit you're just trying to pad this thing out one goddamn <laughs> sentence to describe the movie ready <laughs> count you yeah, down let's go.
0: three okay. two one Blade. Half-man, half-vampire, who seeks retribution against all other vampires in the world. Blade. <laughs> That's like a business card version of it. <laughs> maybe, maybe I went too far the other way. <laughs> Alright, count me in. Okay, here we go. Uh, three, two, one, go. In a world... Overrun and
1: controlled by vampires, only one man can stand in their way with his unique skills. At his unique, (laughs) damn it, his unique, um, what is he, his unique makeup as half man, half vampire? All kung fu.
0: (laughs) You didn't say blade Blade. at the beginning, you didn't say blade. Oh, you saw blade at the end, okay.
1: It's okay, so that's it.
0: You start, actually, you know, your your tone, the ionic pentameter was really good. I, <laughs> I have to go back and to go back and listen to your first line, but that uh, it, you started off well. But it's interesting in the in the world of kind of live recording, do you find yourself searching for that word, but you just can't grasp it? Oh, that, you,
1: and I'm like, you know, a father who. <laughs> can't find the words that he normally wants to speak half the time i i know like radio guys must think we're so bad at this because they must do this every day just like off the top but like yo, know, it is it is funny because like i do not like you i know you try to plan this out i do not try to plan it i come in cold and like it is funny how hard it is just to do it off the top of your head if i'm typing I, it like i got all day and i can make it slick as hell but just like sitting here being like Okay, what's the best? What's Blade about? Without breaking the sentence, I guess I could just go like uh, Blade is a movie about a half man, half vampire who uh, tries to kill an underworld of vampire evil controllers of Earth. I I guess you could do that, but it's just I'm always trying to add a little drama, almost like a movie.
0: But that's the thing we I don't think we can let the I don't think we can let let the perfect be the enemy of the good you know i mean we, we, we if we don't want to search for perfection we just we just want it to be good we just want it to be i feel like we actually wanted to be bad <laughs>
1: okay blade directed by Stephen norrington written by david goer who uh goer goer uh, Goyer, who would go on to write a bunch of big stuff including some big uh, dc movies uh, 45 million dollar budget Grossed about 131 worldwide, spawned two sequels. And Blade is now going to be reworked and brought back into the um, the new MCU, the current MCU.
0: Is it coming out as a TV show or is it coming out as a movie?
1: You know what? I'm not totally sure. He made like a... He hasn't actually made an appearance yet, but he was off camera at the end of, uh, I believe it was uh, Shang-Chi. And he was in the, like the the scene after the credits, but you don't see him. You just... Oh no, maybe it was in... A, it was in um, what is it called? The Eternals, I think, is when he shows up. Anyway, you don't okay. see him, but you, see, but you hear him off camera, and you have, a, you have a pretty good sense of who it is if you know the actor. Uh, yeah, anyway, be, so I'll... I'm not sure what form he'll take because he could be – he'd be great as a series, but – so I don't see it. I don't know. Like they're doing a lot more television these days, so it's yeah. hard to say. Anyway, before we get into the movie and into the comic book you know, mythology and history and all that crap that comes with an MCU film – why don't we just talk about one thing, Jamie? I would love to talk about the opening scene of Blade because I think it's one of the greatest scenes in the '90s, at least if not in, in an action
0: movie period. So let's start there. The opening scene in this film is the intensity. Like all of a sudden, you got the opening credits, and then you have this guy. It's being pulled in by this super hot chair. Down
1: there, little man. Oh, that's my heat seeker. Oh, that it is.
0: Into this. Tracy Lords, Tracy Lords, yeah, exactly, a little cameo there She's pulling him into this like underground meat locker Um, It looks like it's in in the industrial district of a really kind of gritty part of town And there's like those fluorescent lights He's being pulled through all these like subterranean sort of paths They end up going through what is like a meat locker And there's actually big chunks of cow And there's actually a little something else that's flying by over his (laughs) head (laughs) What are we doing here. Woo! Look at all that. <laughs> <Have fun set. laughs> I think he kind of catches like uh, he catches a little bit of a whiff of it um, you know. And then he gets and then all of a sudden they're in this massive room and it is like a huge rave that's going on. There's music pumping, there's people everywhere, the fucking strobe lights. It made me think of You know, like 90s Manchester rave scene. Mm -hmm. The music is, this is like your first uh, sort of foray into the music because you just have like this hardcore kind of like rave techno uh, music going on mixed in with like urban hip hop and then it's all mixed and remixed. But if there's one word, it just has so much energy right from the beginning. And like the music...
1: Oh my God. So yeah, this movie is, this scene is like one of the greatest hooks in an action movie that I can think of. And so like personal story about this, me and my roommates back in uh, university would get high and go, let's just watch the opening scene of blade. Every fucking time we'd be, we'd be 30, 40 minutes into the movie before we'd be like, Oh yeah, shit. We said we were just going to watch the opening scene. Then we're going out or whatever. Right. It, like that scene hooks you into the film. I, this is why I've probably seen blade 20, 30 times. Um, that scene just hooks you in so quickly. So yeah, the intrigue of where are they going? Who is this guy? Who is this girl? Where are they? T- and then if you know about the rave scene back in the nineties, I don't know. You and I weren't big ravers, but I think we each went to a few. Yeah, it was that good. thing where you didn't know where the after, where the party was, and you'd find out exactly really closely to the time it was starting. And it was always in some weird place because probably illegal, so they you had to go into some weird fucking warehouse or something, middle of nowhere. And that so all this rings true to me when I'm seeing this scene. Like oh yeah, it's in a weird spot. Yeah, he's getting guided along, and he's just there for a great time. And he's kind of a dirt, a dork, right? Like he's got the weird, like, uh kangol backwards, and the he's wearing like yeah, a yeah. he's wearing like a windbreaker or something. And JC <laughs> Lawrence is just oh, like I, a windbreaker. And she's leading him on the whole time. I think she even grabs his crotch in the car, right? And so he thinks he's in for like what a night. And then as soon as she gets to the door, she just goes cold on him. It does not want to talk to him anymore. And like everybody starts being an asshole to this guy. And you're like, well, exactly. What's going Hold on?
0: on. I'm just going to come in with like the top five reasons why this guy should be thinking he's in a bad situation. First off, he's getting pulled into this party and he passes through what looks like the rocky meat cellar. And there's like pieces of cow on the hooks. But then when he looks up, it's like, you know, like when you go into like the dry cleaning and like the racks are on. Like, the, the dry cleanings hanging from, like, the uh, – the, sorry, the track that kind of goes around the ceiling. And you've got, like, bodies with you – they're human bodies. And you can see, yeah. like, there's, like, blood bags attached to them. And he kind of is like, hmm. Uh, he looks up and he's like, well, that fucking – that's kind of weird. But uh there's, like, this hot European chick, so I'm going to keep going. Yeah, it goes back so quick, he continu- too. So it's like, did
1: I see what I just saw or was that something – like, what did I see?
0: Yeah, He so then eventually he gets into – gets into the room and again the music's pumping but like if i'm in this situation right now there's a couple things that are going number one the immediately as soon as he gets in she gives him like the cold shoulder and nobody in the fucking place is nice to him in fact everybody's looking at him like he's a piece of meat which we'll see later clearly that's 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 what he's there for also in these underground parties what's the first thing rob that you would go and and want to want to find You'd want to find the bar. Mm-hmm. I looked around. I've watched the scene a couple of times. There's but no rave, fucking bar.
1: Rave, rave. like, you don't always drink. You, you're looking for it. Uh, yeah,
0: I, okay. I understand, you know, I mean, drug use is pervasive. But I would say that no bar might be an issue. There's hooks on the wall. It's like there's no cover <laughs> to get in. I don't know. I like. This, I think this guy is, you know, I think, I think he kind of senses the fact that he's in a bad situation. Um, but to kind of hit it on its on its hinge there everybody is dancing and like again the music is pumping and it's just fucking massive energy uh and then um and then we we actually catch uh him bumping into deacon frost who's played by stefan dorf who's kind of the young upstart vampire that ends up being the ba- the main antagonist in the film and he just turns around and gives him the most fucking fuck you <laughs> look i've ever seen like in my entire life like like i'd be freaking heading for the for the exits as soon as i saw this cat and he's got like the white white skin so anyways um fast forward 15 seconds what happens next rob
1: Oh, the, I love this cut. Like they, they, as the music is peaking, right? Like I, like uh, EDM music will, builds up, right? And, uh, you know, as it builds up, the camera tilts up to show the DJ who's got these headlights on his head too, right? So as he's putting his arms <laughs> in there, the lights are shining upward. And you see behind him is a sign that says bloodbath. And our dude has just had a drip of blood land on his finger. So he's like, what's all this? What's going on? Where does this blood come from? Is it from me? And then he looks up as all the dancers, all the ravers are putting their hands in the air and they're all screaming like, oh, here it comes. And you think it's like a foam party, but it's like shooting blood <laughs> not a party. through the freaking uh, water system, through the sprinklers. And everyone's just like, yeah, <laughs> And he's totally grossed out. <laughs> and then he tries to escape and they just start wailing on him. And like he just realizes everybody's teeth start showing. He realizes, oh, my God, yeah. man, I'm at a vampire party. We don't know at this point, like, do people know that vampires exist or not? Like, or is he totally shocked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's hard to say. The movie doesn't really tell us either that, you know, how – I guess it's clear that most people don't know vampires exist. So he's pretty freaked out. And as he's crawling on the ground and the blood and the music starts to die down, the sprinklers stop – he gets to the foot of an all-black figure dressed in all black leather who doesn't have a single drop of blood on him. And he's standing in an area where the blood just hasn't pooled at all. Like, it's just like, doesn't touch him. And we pan up and there's Blade. And uh, all the vampires immediately know what's up. Like, oh shit, we've been busted. It's not the cops. It's Blade. And this guy's way worse than that. It's
0: the day one.
1: I love how he never gets blood on him. It's if you watch it at the movie, I think it happens all the time. Like he actually never gets a splat of blood on him.
0: He's got to stay good, man. He's got the black leather. <laughs> he's got to stay. has got to stay tight. You know. The uh, I I think it's important to say that this is probably the scariest part of the film. After the mm. blood That's a good point. finishes uh, diffusing all over the, the people and the spray stops, you see them all like they're covered. It reminds me of like a lot of imagery from The Descent when the face is just completely cut like just red and the teeth are out and everyone is very slick and gooey and wet and just they're like just wanting to you know their fangs are showing and there's definitely like a very primal sense to it these vampires the aphrodisiac of blood has got them you know what i mean they've whipped them up into a frenzy and now they're just after this like seems like one dude for you know what's probably 100 people in the in the Club it doesn't seem like it's gonna be a lot of meat to go around <laughs>
1: let's put another shrimp on the ball
0: blade rolls up it's fucking on man and then it just kicks off and one of the things that's so good about this is it's mostly practical martial arts effects and the fighting scenes in this film are fantastic uh, snipes did a bunch of the stunts himself he mm-hmm. was actually he, like he worked choreographed in, a lot of
1: it too he well he
0: worked in conjunction with i think it's um, tommy fam or tommy lee that uh that did the choreography and and i think it just brings something it just adds like a grittiness to the film which the the practical effects rather than all like the fucking lasers and shooting beams out of your eyes and stuff like that it's just fighting and that's what's so good about it. Just waves and waves of these vampires coming after Blade. Mm-hmm. And he just fights them off. And then there's, like, the main dude that's um, that's uh, Deacon Frost, this kind of side guy that's a big doofus but always oh, comes at him. Yeah, and, played yeah. by
1: Donald Logue. This is Quinn.
0: Yeah, and then actually the, the fight kind of takes its way into a smaller space where the fighting is a lot more personal. It's a lot closer. Yeah, it's which like a is, shower
1: or something. It's hard to tell what it is. It looks like a shower.
0: Yeah, exactly. Some kind of shower, but... Um, the fight just continues and i don't know what's the what's the running time of this opening scene because it just it feels i'm gonna say it's probably about 10 minutes or so but just the energy and the and just mm. just it doesn't stop it literally the the, the 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 fighting and the scene builds like the music and just kind of holds you there and then you're very intrigued as to yeah what the vampire's all about What's blue Who is he? What's going on? He looks so cool. He looks so slick.
1: Like in the fight scenes, he's revealing, we're revealing all the tricks that he has up his sleeve, right? He's got all these weapons that like disintegrate the vampires on contact. You know, he's got, it looks like silver ninja stars that like boomerang or something. He's got spikes that like, you know, he just, his sword is obviously silver so he's just slashing these guys apart, and some of them die right away, like humans, and others uh, explode—kind of not explode, but they like turn to dust. And and this is this this is the, this is the um, you were saying there's not a lot of special effects, but at this there are some effects. Yeah, there how are the some, there are some die. of the CGI effects. Yeah, and the and at this time in '98, they're not amazing, but they're done pretty good here because you don't get a long time to look at them. And basically, mm. they turn into skeletons and, and rot away super quickly. So, and with a little bit of flame and ash effect. So it's pretty good because it's it's very manageable for this for the graphic abilities at the time. And yeah, so you're, the so what it's are we the, learning the Mummy here?
0: effects, man. Yeah, it's a lot it's like the, the mummy, mummy effects.
1: So what are we yeah. learning in this first scene? Vampires are prolific; they're everywhere. They obviously are. There's like a, we can tell that there's sort of this young upstart with the guy, you know, dwarf that we saw bump into the uh, the bait <laughs> dude. We get that they're sort of a gang. They have guys with weapons, like so they actually have a full organized kind of like a gang, right? They seem like a. They seem like a well-funded gang at this point. And we've learned that Blade can kick the crap out of them. He's got super, you know, probably superhuman abilities. We haven't really seen that. But the fact that he's kicking them so hard and beating them so bad, he must have some super strength. And he's got all these crazy ninja skills and weapons.
0: Yeah, just an amazing scene. It all comes together, the fighting, the music. Um, I'm not even going to say the acting because I'm not sure the the performances or why we're watching it. It just is sick action. That's really what it is, just amazing action and just sets the, it sets a great tone for the film to, um, surf, you know, for when we learn more about Blade. Rob, can you just give us an idea of how Blade predates the MCU? Yeah, okay, so
1: the the story most people know or you can find online anyway is that Marvel was bankrupt or going bankrupt. I have nothing! So they started to save their skin. They started putting out their character properties out there to license for other people. This is eventually what leads to the deal that sees Sony get Spider-Man, Fox get X-Men, and I think they also got Fantastic Four and someone else. So they don't have any money yet. And uh, they license out... Uh, a bunch of characters. They put them all up there for, for grabs. And I don't know why New Line decided to go for Blade, but I know Wesley Snipes was trying to produce a super a black superhero film. He wanted Black Panther. He couldn't get it. Gets a hold of, Bla- of Blade. And when David Goyer was given the job to write it, they actually wanted it to be a little more comedic. Uh, and I'm not sure what the what the thought was there, but we're 98, right? So we're like only about seven six years away from batman no we're nine years away since batman happened right the first one so there's this. Batman begin. okay okay no, the first the, the original
0: with, with jack nicholson
1: tim burton so i think the thought was make something that's sort of funny so that you get the kids and action-packed but david gore didn't want to do that he wanted to go some do something serious obviously wesley snipe supported that direction he wanted that too so going back to the character blade in the comics he he, he first comes around in like i think it's 72 or something like that Anyway, the point is the character wasn't well, you know, defined. You know, you think about a guy like Batman and Superman, even Spider-Man. You could, everybody can name you the top five reasons those characters are who they are. But if you go back to the first Blade, I mean, you'd say, I guess he's black. Though he doesn't talk like he's black. He hunts vampires and he has a lot of wood weapons. Like that was kind of his extent. He was kind of silly. And, like, and it gave them a lot of room to play with. Obviously, movies love to change comics. Sometimes the fans hate that. But in this case, Blade becomes a vast improvement. And, well, let's say improvement in a sort of economic sense that more people are attracted to watch this than the character that was on the page. So they created something new. And and, and just for you, Jamie, like as someone who's watching this, what makes you watch this – What like well, let me answer the MCU part first. Is that this movie doesn't connect to the existing MCU? Marvel would later on start their own line of superheroes, but Blade is the is the movie that puts the money in their pocket. It's the first movie that uh, returns some cash to them that finally makes them save themselves. Why don't we make our own movies? We have these characters, and in fact, like for for superhero fans out there in the '90s, we know that like the Avengers and Hulk, even and Iron Man, they were not the top characters. In the comic world but that's what marvel had left and they were able to build those up into these massive franchises but their big guys at the time was were the x-men and spider-man and those were out the gate they'd given them they licensed them out so they had to wait for them to come back really and that's only happening now x-men hasn't even come out yet but it's going to be out soon so anyway just for you jamie though when you watch this what separates this movie to from the mcu stuff that you've seen
0: okay so i just want to make two points here I think it's like kind of the gritty nature of the film, an old school, gritty feeling um, action movie, you know, like it's a big running joke, right? But I love, and I'm not saying this is like diehard, but I like a lot of the cop kind of dramas where, you know, there's some swearing and things aren't perfect. And it's just a little bit, um, a little bit more rough and tumble. And I think this movie specifically embodies that really well. Um, and then just, I think the second point I want to make is what kind of drew me into this film when it came out is you had that action, you, you had that action element. And I think we knew it was going to be kind of gritty and then up against what else was out at the time, uh, Ronin, Armageddon, uh, the instigator, I don't know, like enemy of the state. Most of them were kind of white action stars, white kind of thriller. So this movie, I guess in a general sense, was something that was different something that was a little bit new
1: yeah like the muscle car i love how they use yeah. like high exposure with the camera it feels very 70s and and, and the sun is often feels very uncomfortable because blade is half vampire so the camera action is jerky like even that scene when he's chasing the cop through the city and it's like hyperspeed. Uh, it's just it feels like street level you know crime fighting and uh, when you're street level jamie what do you get
0: a lot of motherfucking newspapers. <laughs> the
1: there, newspaper. there,
0: how many newspapers died in the making of this film, Rob? How many? You know, there's like those Oscar the Grouch trash cans. It's like, can we get a can, can we get a um, a cleanup crew on aisle six? Like, can we get a street sweeper to come and fucking deal with this shit? Like, yeah. there is literally. Th- there's these scenes where he's walking, and I understand that like New York was. You no, know, it's not New York. This, it's L.A. This is L.A., but it feels. That's the thing. It's L.A., but it feels like Gotham right you know one of the things is that snipes wesley snipes is blade i don't know rob like what is it to me this feels like a signature role for wesley snipes absolutely it's it's it reminds me a lot of um the movie demolition man where he plays uh this super bad guy simon phoenix and he embodies like just this like in that movie he's a really bad guy but he shows that he can be in, in something other than like a Cop film, he can be. Oh, because he's uh, like over the star. top in that movie too. Like it's a very he's different very, role, very over the top, but it, but still um, a lot of action, uh, a lot of fighting. Like and the martial arts were used were was were in that film really good. He played along um, opposite Sir, Sylvester Stallone, but I think that. Uh, I think that this is just, like I said, a signature role for Snipes. He is perfect in this role. And I think to one of these, you know, I would go on to say that this is probably one of his his strongest roles.
1: Well, he's super cool. He's very, like, reserved. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't emote much. He's a very reserved kind of cold guy. Um, uh, And it really, and he really, like, Snipes really adds this cool factor to it, right? Like the way he, some of his one-liners, like, Motherfucker, are you out of your damn mind? (laughs) <laughs> like, like, you know, there's that shit that, like, he gets to throw in that helps Blade be cool, like, and not, like, like you said, not for kids, not Captain America, right? Like, Captain America throws his mighty shield. And, and, you know, we've heard, you can read the stuff online, but, like, apparently Snipes, like, method acted this a bit. Like, he was not, he was in character on set, and, and like... People couldn't talk to him, and he was, like, a total asshole to certain people. Blade after lunch. <laughs> even Sticky Ryan, notes. <laughs> <laughs> Meat sandwich. Um, and then, like, I heard, like, Ryan Reynolds even said, like, when he did the third one, the Blade Trinity, he played uh, Hannibal King in that one. Ryan Reynolds said, like, I never met Wesley Snipes. I only met Blade. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, like, a, that's kind of strange, but, you know, I guess... Sypes so took it pretty seriously, and you know, he had a franchise going, so I don't know, I guess he did something right. He had a lot, he like he, he was pretty heavy-handed. He was a producer in this, too, right? So he wanted certain things certain ways. One of the things was he did feel like black people are not represented well enough in a superheroes and movies. So a lot of people think Blade is one of the first black superheroes in film. It's sort of true. Uh, Spawn was actually before him as well as Meteor Man, the comedy.? Are
0: you all right? using steroids. You know, that, that, that accident I had, I, I, was,
1: I was hit by a meteor.
0: A meteor? it gave me these powers.
1: Uh, so Blade is not the first superhero, black superhero, to have his own film. Uh, however, Spawn is like, you know, deformed. You don't really see his face, but he is played by Michael J. White. So Blade is one of, one of the first black superheroes to have his own movie, but he's actually not the first. There was Spawn as well as Meteor Man that came before him. Uh, and there, there is kind of a history though to black superheroes that is somewhat interesting. It has a tie to the black exploitation film genre of the '70s. That's when we first saw a lot of black superheroes emerge on the page. And Blade, uh, now that he's being redefined here in '98 from his original appearance in '73, there are still some connections back to that time period. And I think this movie has a very '70s action vibe too. But one of the connections is that, like, black superheroes were usually protecting, like, a street-level crime, street-level uh, community, uh, protecting black communities from crimes that white superheroes were sort of overlooking. There's literally a, a comic book where Superman and Black Lightning fight, and Black Lightning basically yells at him, saying, like, you fly right by my neighborhood all the time. You never come down here and, and help us out on the street level. So this is, this is crime that only I can fight. And he's talking about all the like the drug pushers and all that sort of cliche stuff of of 70s uh, comic books. Um, So but it does in this same sense. Blade has unique access and unique understanding of this vampire vampire problem, right? Um, The other thing is like black superheroes usually don't work very well with the authorities. There's like a history of, you know, Luke Cage being a private investigator and always getting harassed by the cops because he's not actually like, you know, he's not a deputized policeman. And so he always kind of has run ins with them. And in this case, too, like Blade literally beats the shit out of a cop in public in in broad daylight. So there's these kind of connections to like, and plus, you know, in overall, you know, here, the whole idea here is that vampires control this entire system of our, of our, not just our economy, but like our society. They're in the banks, they're in the, the cops. They've got their fingers into everything, right? The blood banks into the, you know, the judges and the, and the lawyers and everything. Like they're everywhere. Um, so I think that's interesting. And then the other thing is too, like Blade can't do this like for free. So he robs the vampires that he kills, right? <laughs> and, he, and he liquidates their watches and shits to, you know, to fund his 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 uh, to fund his battle against the vampires. Which is again, another an interesting thing is like Luke Cage, like I said, was a private eye. So he had to be paid to do his superheroing. Um, so because he wasn't like, he wasn't Batman. He didn't have a million dollar, billion dollar stash to just sit on and create like crime fighting weapons with, right?
0: All right, Rob, that was good. What about Snipes being critical of, of the Black uh, representation of the Blade films?
1: The character of Whistler, played by Chris Christopherson. He's actually in the comic book, uh, like a British-African person. Like His name is Jamal Afari, and he's definitely been reshaped for the movie. And, I mean, the casting's awesome, but at the same time, there is this whitewashing effect going on there where you've taken a – who's supposed to be a black character and turning him white. And I don't know if that's just like a – there was rumors apparently that David Goyer mentioned later on, much later after the films were were long out, but said that, like, there was thoughts from the studio to actually turn Blade white. And so – yeah that's interesting to hear but point being i guess they decided to whitewash at least one character for you know the sake of the white
0: audience which
1: is funny because black panther did not do that and they were super successful they didn't need to worry about that at
0: all one thing i just want to mention i was trying to get this in, a, in the last little last little uh, segment there, you know because the, the previous question was how does this movie feel different from some of the marvel movies of current times right blade and just wesley snipes as an actor is like a no fuck you kind of guy and then you made me th- Think of the third installment had Ryan Reynolds. Well, Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool and and um, Downey Jr. and uh, Thor and all these other guys like Ant Man. They're kind of like comedy dudes that kind of do action, but none of them have that street cred that like Snipes does. You see where I'm coming from with this? Well, I, in I think, terms of in terms yeah. of like the in terms of like kind of the lead actor, none of them are. You feel tough yeah feel those characters mean, don't need to be mean though, right? you know
1: yeah i think what is well, supposed
0: to be mean but he still comes across as a really kind of likable blade is like yeah, he's kind of like dumb. All, That's the all business
1: the, yeah thor's a bit of a himbo though right like he's he's kind of a <laughs> but i think himbo. i think what you're we're pointing to i think that what really happened here was when they cast snipes for blade and they got it and they realized wow this really works they started thinking about like well who's the character more so than the special effect. Like, yes, Wesley Snipes can do the kung fu, so, like, he's good for that. But, like, what if we cast a guy who's just really good at being Ant-Man and then worry about the special effects later? Or Iron Man is the best example, Robert Downey Jr. Such a great casting choice for Tony Stark. And then we'll build the superhero around that. And, And I think in the past, it kind of went the other way around. I mean, Michael Keaton, you could argue, was like that, too, where they, like, he was so good at embodying who he was that, like, let's worry about... Batman will be the suit... You know, um, but in the past, like, you know, you kind of cast a guy who would look like the superhero, and that was like your starting point. And now it feels like the other way around, where it's like, no, let's cast somebody who's really great actor who can embody and do this story, and then we'll apply the superhero stuff to
0: them. It's like the death of the action star.
1: A little bit, yeah, because now it became you know? like a more of a drama, and you wanted better acting. You're right. Yeah, because or at least. Or... Like,
0: think of like Sylvester Stallone as Captain America, how that just wouldn't work. You're right. It's completely done a 180.
1: So, Jamie, let's take a look at vampires in Blade. It's a it's a little bit different. So I think that's a whole subject we can dig into a little bit here.
0: Yeah, I think that the, the best thing about this and how it relates to 90s is it's a completely new take on vampires. It's not like vampire Lestat, where they're in... Massive. Although there is a little bit of that, but when they're in these big castles, like Bram Stokers, mm-hmm. um, you know, like that kind of iteration of it, right? It's not like that. It's there's are they're it's urban. It's city. It is um, young. It's partying. It's very kind of doing whatever the fuck. They're they're kind of thumbing their nose at the historical idea of the vampire. And when I talk about that, I mean. Um, Dorf and his whole kind of new crew. Yeah. And I think it fits perfectly into just how edgy films were in the 90s, right? Like, you don't you don't need me to list off a bunch of 90s films, but it absolutely just fits really nicely into that. So, you know, it's a good point, Jamie,
1: because the old style vampires that you're talking about, the Lestats and the Nosferatus, they're actually in this movie, but they're backseat characters. In fact, they represent the old regime of vampires that Dorf and his clan are, are are forcibly pushing out and in a way uh this movie becomes like more of like a contemporary what would you call it like is it a well, mob movie? i'm gonna tell
0: you, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now this is a mob movie this is one of the things that i pulled out of this film when i actually took a, a look back is that part of the reason why this film is so successful and why it works not only as a um, comic book vampire movie It's also just a piece of Americana where you have the country outlaw sidekick, you've got the muscle car, you've got the urban environment, but you also have the framework of something that's very familiar to a lot of American cinema goers is the mob movie. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You have the old guard, the vampires that refuse to kind of change. They do things in the old world. They want to lay low. They want, to, live lay in the low. They want to lay low, yeah. They, they want to live in the shadows. Very similar to kind of the mafia and how they, you know, nobody wants to rock the boat. Nobody wants to bring any attention, right? Because because when you bring attention, nobody's, you know, nobody's making money and then somebody's got to go. But then you've got <laughs> <laughs> then you've got Stefan Dorf, who's like, he reminded me. it's I'm thinking the whole thing is like John Gotti, where he's um you know, at one point, one of the old guys says, "You and you running all these parties. You know, you're drawing unwanted attention to ourselves." And he's just like Stefan Dorf's like, "You know, the times gonna change, man. The times are changing, <laughs> and that is reminiscent of being a little bit more ostentatious, a little bit more outgoing, and, and this new idea of vampires." And he's trying to summon like a, a, a you know, he's ancient. looking for absolute power. He's trying to summon yeah. an ancient god, right? But it's how the the different um the outlook right one of them is very much in, in the in the idea of just working within the system and then you have another one that wants to break the system
1: yeah and he literally rounds these guys up like he kills he kills our main guy uh what's his name Ido, uh played by udo Kier, dragon Eddie. Kills him. Oh, dry. Oh,
0: fuck. Okay. Can can we just a, stop? Dragon right here, Eddie. It's not
1: spelled Dragon Eddie. It's dra- It's one word. Dragon Eddie with two T's Dragon Eddie. But doesn't it yeah, sound like like a mobster name? Dragon Eddie. Yeah.
0: Dragon Eddie. Yeah. How is this guy? This guy's supposed to be like the head of the council. He sits at the lead seat. This guy's like, they, they're able to, get this guy, kidnap him, take him out to like this rock, and then they burn him in the sun, and he explodes. Right.
1: Do what you want, Frost. Doesn't make any difference. You just don't fucking get it. You're never gonna be a pure blood. Hold them. You will never rule
0: us! you would think that the leader of, like, the vampire council, and they said, you know, they talk about how they're involved in everything. With this guy, would have a little bit more security, <laughs> security detail around him. There's absolutely zero fucking resistance. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, in terms of how they're getting that guy, like you don't see it. Yeah. But it, you know, one, like, you know, we talked about this earlier, where, you know just to make it a little bit more believable, you could have had one shot of like Deacon Frost, you know, given a wink to one of the other guys on the council. Like it was an inside job. Or like, yeah. Or like a, I mean?
1: a right-hand man to Dragon Eddie, like one of his. Yeah. Or something like that. Who's clearly you undercover don't for, for, uh, for Dorf. And yeah, you're right. And then the rest of the council too, I mean, they just
0: get rounded up like a bunch of sheep. Right. And then and, that's it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. It they're done. That was one of the things that I think was just left to be desired that, you know, there needed to be something a little bit, uh, a little bit different in there, but.
1: Yeah, the, well the other thing is like vampires in this one are also a biological entity. They've been like at one point they're described as like a sexually transmitted disease. They're uh, Oh, that's they're right. something like a that could be cured, which is totally unusual. Usually the only cure is sort of it's like this weird mythological cure where you kill the head vampire and all the other ones turn back for some fucking reason. Um but in this one it's like no, they're actually just like a virus and if you make the proper, you know, I forget what she calls it. I'm sorry for my Biologi- bi- biologist friends out there who are just like slapping their <laughs> foreheads right now. Do anyway, you have she- biologist friends? <laughs> no, not. No, I do have one. I do have one. I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, and she would be mad at me. Um, but like, you know, the in the in the film, the character Karen, played by the Bush Wright, she actually comes up with like, a vaccine that can reverse her own transformation she's been bit so she's reversing her own transformation and she figures out how to uh, create a better serum for blade who's using it as like a almost like a heroin drug to help him get by so he doesn't get these vampire cravings he has to be injected with this this serum and it's not working very well like she's meeting him later on and 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 she's realizing the serum he's taking just isn't doing the job anymore and he's starting to kind of his body doesn't like it so she comes up with a more powerful one by the end of the movie, but point being, like she even has this face off with Steven Dorf and describes him as just like you're just a virus. Like we can we can get rid of you. You think you can just eat us, but we also can just kill you with like the right the right cocktail. All right, Jamie. So let's talk about each of these characters. A couple of these characters we don't th- need to touch them all. We've obviously talked about Blade at length. Uh, you want to mention something about? Uh, Deacon Frost, though, played by
0: Stephen Dorff. Okay, so Steffendorf, Stephen Dorff, oh, however you Ste- want to say it.
1: Steve. You know what? I got a guy at work who calls himself Stephen, but it's spelled Stefan. And we all just yeah, call him. exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, Anyways,
0: this, this This cat is, uh, you ask yourself, oh, Stephen Dorff. Yeah, I know that guy. What's he been in? And it's like crickets. I might, I might drop that in. Uh, so this guy is what I like to call, he's a coin flip actor, okay? He's
1: working 50%. Actor.
0: Yeah, fifty percent is gonna be fucking great. 50, the other fifty percent is gonna be bad. I'm just gonna lay something out here. Here's my, here's my argument, okay? Fifty yeah. percent that's good. I'm gonna list you just a couple of films that you love that are amazing. Power of One. He was in Judgment Night. Amazing. Mm-hmm. He was in. He played like the little little punk ass brother. Backbeats. played Stuart Sutcliffe, Fifth Beatle. Cole Creek Manor, Public Enemies, uh, The Motel Life. Critically acclaimed. Amazing. So all those movies are really good, okay? And then he was in Blade. Now, I'm going to list you some movies that aren't so good. Here's the first one. Space Truckers. Did you ever watch that? <laughs> no. Of it's course. not good. Okay. It's not good. Okay? Bl- I believe Here's you. The Based one. on the title alone, I believe you. <laughs> Here's the second one. I love this sport, but I'm not going to go play with Steffendorf. The movie's called Tennis Anyone. It wasn't good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds awful. Okay,
0: the next one, Botched. That movie Botched. It had an approval rating of 25%. Okay? Uh, That's not good. Tomatoes? Yeah. That's right. Then there was another one, Black Water Transit, twenty-three, $23 million dollar budget, but it was never finished and it was unreleased. Okay, um, was supposed to be good, but clearly never got that done. But I think that the cherry on top of the cake is Bucky Larson, born to be a star. <laughs> Rob, this has got to be a first: three percent approval rating.
1: Does <laughs> this movie star rabbit at some point? Why is it? What is this?
0: <laughs> he is. A a coin flip actor. You are going to get some great stuff from him. You're going to get some not great stuff. We just did a quick little thing on Steffendorf, but now we want to go into Blade is um, very representative and has a lot of body horror. Rob, you want to talk really quickly about that? Well,
1: yeah. Let's talk about how this is a horror movie, right? I mean, vampires are the subject. And yeah, it's got some bites and that kind of blood spurt and everywhere. But there is some fucking gross body horror in this movie, which you, you were saying like the first scene is probably the only scary scene. I think you're probably right. But there are definitely some real gross out scenes in this. And it starts right at the beginning with like... um when that Blake gets in a fight with uh with Quinn, he chops his hand off. Then he lights him on fire. Then he like and then he goes to the you know and then you know Quinn wakes up in the hospital and chews a guy to death. And actually, he comes back later as like this half vampire fucking gross thing that he's not quite vampire, not quite man. Dorf uh, Quinn also gets like his face slammed against the subway and his face like peeled off as it's going by. Like how gross is that? Also, yeah. uh, when Karen comes up with some of those weapons, one of them is, like, it makes hemoglobin explode. So Blade is darting these ninja vampires, and their whole face is, like, bloating up and then exploding. Um, yeah. And, like, even Dorf's uh, – sorry, I keep calling him Dorf, but Deacon Frost's final scene when he dies, it, this is straight out of the uh, anime Akira, if you've seen that, like, the when, when Tetsuo starts, like, growing and, like, his skin is, like, blooming out of his skin and kind of pouring over itself it's exactly what's happened to dorf here he's puffing up puffing up puffing up then he explodes um also i just the other guy that comes to mind is like the uh, librarian vampire he's like this morbidly obese uh guy who's like laying flat and they just like burn him with a uh uv flashlight and they sizzle him and fry him up so yeah there's a lot oh that's right yeah remind me
0: of like um what's that dude from star wars uh Oh fuck! What the empire? The, Emperor the, 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 uh, from Star Wars? Yo, not yo, um, the big fat dude. The imprisoned oh, Jabba Solo the Hutt. He looks like Jabba the, the Hutt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It yeah. yeah, reminds me of Jabba the yeah. Hutt, Yeah, Hut man. Yeah, he's... They easily got that from Jabba the Hutt because it's he's like that high even, voice. They also make a creepy. make it though. sound like he's a fat person. It's like some monster.
1: <laughs> no, but he's a he's a vampire. He's he is
0: a vampire. So. He... He is a hu- uh, he was a person or was born. No, but you're like. like he's a little overweight, like he's a size thirty eight. This guy's like No, I said he was
1: morbidly obese. <laughs> he is definitely <laughs> okay. okay. Point being. There's some cool filmmaking in that scene too. Like when they're uh they're sizzling Pearl, they keep cutting from Pearl's like skin getting all melted to blade applying like the insulation around like that foam insulation stuff around the door that blows up. Uh yeah. it's like explosive foam or whatever the hell that shit's called. But they cross cut it. Um, there's a couple, like actually some nice visual symmetry they do in this film a couple times. Like even when, um, when Blade's mother, uh, dies, uh, which by the way, he somehow remembers when she died. That's really fucking weird. <laughs> it's his first day of the planet. He's only been awake for an, alive for an hour. And, like he can remember this anyway, his mom, a vampire, dude. <laughs> that's true. He's got great memory. When, when she is dying in her human form, uh, you see her, uh, uh, you see her in in her current form and now that she's alive as a vampire you don't know this yet but you see her coming out of this bed that lifts up like a tomb and at the same time they're cross-cutting that with blade I think this is a scene where he's getting bled and he's in the and she's like uh, pushed him into the machine where he's getting his his uh, wrist slit uh, there's this whole like womb to the tomb thing it's recalling him being born and her uh, him dying being put to this tomb, but also there's this cross cut where she's coming out of her bed, which looks like a coffin opening up, but like a super modern yeah. one that like levitates and like goes against the wall. Uh, anyway, there's some really nice, like symmetrical filmmaking there to make those scenes really work visually.
0: Yep. And what's the, uh, I think when we get to that point, when we have uh, the introduction of Blade's um, biological mother in the film, the big reveal is is given to us is that do you want to do you well, want to deacon frost is i your father <laughs> he's the dad how lame is that deacon, eh? Fro- deacon frost must be he's got to easily do they talk about his age he's got to be 125 easily yeah that's the thing is confusing how old is blade yeah how old is blade yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm, well, the blade, time continuum
1: no blade they actually marked his birthday because he's born in 67 so i think he's like 31 if we're in 1998 in the movie so that makes okay. sense but yeah, how old is Deacon Frost? Because he would have bit her around that time. Assuming, at earliest, like the youngest he could be would be like sixty years old or something, right? And he looks like he's in his mid to yeah. know, early to mid thirties. Whenever he was turned, probably. Yeah. But he loves rave music. Even deep into his sixties, he's still pumping that. EDM. Guy loves technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. He's like... he Isn't it like corporate takeover style with these... Uh, what you said with the mob scenes? Like he's got the headset on, the Bluetooth. He's got the like,
0: headset on, the he's, Britney Spears headset. He's, yeah.
1: he's cracking the code of the of the biblical scrolls, the vampire Bible with his... Uh, with I, his think it, I think
0: that's... I think it's always fun to go back and look at these... Look at films that we're trying to push the ideas of technology, yeah. but then we look about it 20 years earlier and he's got like the fucking dot matrix <laughs> printer up. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like these, like, it's like the the Commodore 4000 and he's trying to match like pictures. It's like, yeah. it, it, my, my fucking kid's leapfrog does more than that now. <laughs>
1: Microsoft, Microsoft uh, media <laughs> viewers like, just fucking flicking away there. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's funny watching the old tech, right? Like they're trying to make it look so modern, but it just yeah. doesn't make sense.
0: It's a good film. It's a a fun film. It's one that we loved. And just going back, that's the best thing. And I just want to close off before we do the review is that for me, this held up. You know, uh, was there anything about this film that you didn't like?
1: Well, there's things that we have to forgive. I think that you uh, you've identified a few things. The bad guys or the old school vampires get killed too easily. They get taken out too easily. I do think the sunscreen blocking the light was a little (laughs) bit weird. Like that scene, that's total rip off of a John Woo movie where uh, Stephen, sorry, Frost, Deacon Frost has the little kid and he's like, you know, he's like clawing her chin and he's threatening blade in the middle of the Times square or like the, the public garden square. Yeah. I thought that was weird. Cause I'm like, okay, yes, I get it. You could have sunscreen. Maybe that protects you from the sun. What about your eyes, dude? He wasn't even wearing sunglasses. Even blade wear sunglasses. Like wouldn't your eyes just be burning out of your skull. Yeah. And I don't know. Anyway, that scene though, with the slow motion gunshots, it's like total John Woo ripoff, but pretty cool.
0: Well, they did kind of actually, it's interesting. They did kind of foreshadow that a little bit where they were, um, they were trying to get uh, when they killed Dragon Eddie, Dragonetti. Dragonetti, uh, as the sun was coming up and yeah. it was starting to filter in in against the vampires. Uh, Deacon Frost, who was who was born a human, was who is who turned into a vampire later. He, he clearly has a little bit of um, he's got a little bit of resistance to the sun race. He only had to pull down the sheet, pull oh, down his visor. Right. Well, they've visor. Got the sunscreen on. Yeah. And then yeah, they... he had the sunscreen on. He only had to pull down the visor right when there was full exposure. Mm-hmm. So this would lend itself. Like if there was light being diffused in a, in a, you know, against him, and not full, full direct sunlight, he'd be okay. So they kind of, so I, I'll give him a little oh, bit so of, i like, a pass. There. So
1: maybe there's a science there where like, if you're a, a turned yeah. vampire and you were human, you might have a little more sun resistance than say a little more blood. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, a I little, can buy that.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think they kind of do that nicely, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's just other, other than his um, ascendance to the vampire throne and how easy that ascendance was, this one other thing I don't like about
1: this movie, Jamie, is when uh, Blade shoots the guy with like his like crossbow, wherever it is, his like silver bullet gun, and he goes yes,
0: and he does that like <laughs> fist bump thing. <laughs>
1: yes. it is so dumb. It is like it's the like t- a
0: it's a, there you go. It's like a sports movie at that point.
1: Yeah, that's where like his cool factor kind of went a little bit. Like, mm, eh, maybe not. All right, Jamie, let's review this thing we've talked about we don't like, but. Let's let's talk about what we do like.
0: Listen, this movie is the quintessential 90s film. This is, it's my generation. It's the generation, I tell all the kids in my class, that was amazing. The music is urban and, and kind of rough and fresh. Dope soundtrack. Um, it, yeah, exactly. Like the raves and going to the underground parties. I'm not saying I, that's what I, that's all that I did, but I can identify with a lot of it. It was a new take on an action film. There was nothing out at that time that was quite like it. It kind of, um, you know, you know. I think you've talked about paving the way for some of the other Marvel movies to come in. Snipes is Blade. He owns this character, and I love an action film, uh, and I love the uh, martial arts, uh, you know, effects in it, and the choreo- the fighting choreography is, is friggin' top-notch. For all those reasons, for all those reasons, I'm going to come in at four footsteps out of five, Rob. This is, um, this is, this is a great film. Mm-hmm.
1: Solid review. And I agree. I'm going to come in at four as well. Uh, like you said, first scene is, it's like we talked about how we did a whole section of the first scene because it's so good what an amazing hook to a film but like you said it's probably the scariest moment in the film so as a horror movie you know podcast I've taken off a notch there just because it isn't necessarily that scary as you go through it that doesn't mean I don't love this film I'm also taking off a little bit because there are some corny elements that don't hold up you know (laughs) the fist pump from um, Wesley Snipes that's a full half point right there. I'm taking off. I'm sorry, Wesley. This film is so inter- exciting and entertaining. I think they did something new with the vampire genre. I think a lot of movies after this actually, you know, borrow from this movie in terms of treating vampires like a disease or like a, a virus or or a biological thing that can be changed. I think they also took some risks. I mean, this is a... Uh, there's, there's definitely been lead actors who were black at this time who've had their own movies, but it still wasn't like everywhere. And Wesley really... You know, took to the moment and created a great film that he could be the star of. And he put his money where his mouth is and he tried to hire other black actors to be in this film, right? So he's trying to find space for more black people to be in films. Uh, They took a risk on a comic property that wasn't well known. And frankly, they they changed it. They dusted off this old page uh, from Marvel and said, we can make something more interesting out of this character. And they did. Um, so some risk taking there and that, like I said, that, that opening scene, that dope soundtrack, like it really was a nineties moment. It precedes the matrix and it you know, with the, but it's, it's right in that same vein. Um, so honestly, I love this film. We are definitely recommending it. James, we're going to wrap it up here. Anything else you want to tell the people? Um, No. All right, well, thanks for listening to Running Scared and our review of the movie Blade from 1998. We will be back again with another episode soon, so stay tuned for another edition of Running Scared. Running Scared podcast is written and produced by Robert Lendrum and Jamie Roberts. This episode edited by Jamie Roberts with original music by Jamie Roberts. Follow us on social media and tune in next time for another episode of Running Scared. Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill.